Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we continue Man Month. This is a time that we celebrate our Father and we learn what it takes to be a father according to the Word of God. With today's sermon entitled Dad's To Do List, here is Reverend J. Bo Green. I've spent at least 40 years in the pulpit on Father's Day. When Brother Rex called and or invited me to come, I, I began to think about what I would talk to you about today. I went back and just wrote down some titles from some notes of Father's Day messages. Men of Integrity, that was one way back there. I preached one called The Day After. Another message, Four Love Stones. Title of one was God Needs a Man, 1995. I preached that. Another one, Standing Between the Living and the Dead, 1983. I preached that. The American Family Dad in 2002. Where Are the Fathers in 1997. Is there a priest in the house? Where are the mighty men? What do these stones mean, Dad? Secrets of Effective Fathers, Iron Man. Then the last one that I wrote down, I had more, was the role model. I don't preach every weekend anymore. I didn't mention in first church, but five and a half years ago, I had a heart attack, and they put a pacemaker in me, and they're trying to keep me regulated. So I'm not as sturdy as I, and steady as I once was, but, you know, old men, the fire never goes out. Old preachers never die. They just fade away. <laughs> so I was reminded of the story, and I wanted to share it with you here today. The preacher was walking down the sidewalk one day, getting his exercise, and he walked by a house, and there was a young lad pushing a lawnmower mowing the lawn for that house. Preacher stopped and he said, Son, looks like you're doing this in the business. If When you get through with this yard here, I'd love for you to come and mow my lawn. The boy said, Sister, Mister, when I get through mowing this lawn, I'm retiring. <laughs> this is my last lawn to mow. And the preacher said, Well, if you're going to retire, what are you going to do with your mower? He said, it's for sale. The preacher said, well, how much you want for it? He said, I'll take $20 for it right now. The pastor handed him a $20 bill and said, this is where I live. Told him down the street where it was at. The day went by, and later on that boy was walking by the preacher's house. The preacher was out in the front in the lawn, and he was cranking on that mower. Cranking it, cranking it. He stopped the boy. He said, son, you sold me a lawnmower that don't run. I can't get it to start. Oh, I forgot to tell you something, sir. He said, before it'll start, you've got to cuss at it a little bit. (laughs) And the preacher said, cuss at it? He said, son, I'm a preacher. I don't cuss. He said, besides, I hadn't cussed in over 20 years, and I forgot how to cuss. 
And I love what the boy said back to him. He said, sir, just keep pulling on that rope and it'll all come back to you. I'm going to jerk the rope a little bit here. I sure hope it comes back. It goes like this. Walk a little slower, Daddy, said a little child so small. I'm following in your footsteps, and I don't want to fall. Sometimes your steps are very fast. Sometimes they're hard to see. Some, so lo- walk a little slower, Daddy, for you're leading me. Someday when I'm all grown up, you're what I want to be. Then I will have a little child who will want to follow me. And I would want to lead just right and know that I was true. So walk a little slower, Dad, for I must follow you. Let me pray over this before I say anything else. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that's so powerful. And thank you for the examples that you've set before us. Thank you for each one of these men and women, young people that are here today. I want to especially focus my next few thoughts toward the men of this church, men of our society today that are helping to mold a new generation. I pray for fathers that are wise, that are committed, that are sold out for the cause and are saying, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Touch us today, I pray. So obviously my message is addressed to all the fathers here today. I don't speak to you as an authority. I just speak to to you as an old preacher that's had several experiences. I'll be 78 in a couple of weeks. I wonder how many times, how many millions of times the statement has been made What should I have done differently? I'd have to tell you that during the raising of those four men that are now men that have families and children and even grandchildren, that there were times when I would sit down or maybe kneel down and say, God, help me. I've got to know what to do and how to do it in this decision that we're making with this young man. But if your children were small again, Sir, what would you do differently? What changes would you make? I'd like to talk to you a little bit about if I had it to do over, what I would do differently. So let's begin if we would. First of all, in my notes and maybe in yours, I I wrote, I would love the mother of my children more, Polly. I can't tell you that I love her more now than I did when we were married. I've heard people say that. I was madly in love with that woman whenever we married. She was 17 and still in high school. But I was in love with her. So how could I show my children that I love their mother more? And I I thought about it a little bit. Let me explain it to you. I think I would be more free to let my children see me love their mother I'm simply saying a a child who watches his parents and emulates his parents I found more is caught than taught they see it they feel it and they know 
you know, it's hard for you to cover up. You know, you can fool all the people some of the time and some of the people all the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time, and you can't fool your children all the time. Am I talking to somebody here today? When you wake up in the morning and you go through your day, your children are following in your footsteps. I read that poem to you a moment ago, and it's more than a poem. They literally are following. I've, I remember one, in one occasion, I looked back, and one of my boys, was, it was a muddy place, and every step I was taking, they were trying to follow in those very same steps that I took. And what an impression it made on me as a dad. They're watching what you do. Children need security. We live in an insecure world. We live in a world where, and, and you told me I had a little bit more time. I'm going to elaborate a little bit more than what I did. I don't mean to be long, but we, we, we live in a world where children are raised up. They don't know a true family anymore. Often many of them don't know who their dad is. They, many of them, their mother's on drugs. Many of them, their lives are confused. They watch parents fight back and forth. Children need to know that you love each other and it's gained no other way than for them to see it, practice and emulate it in your life. When your children know that you truly love each other, it makes a big difference. Ephesians 5 says, Husbands, love your wife. Often I should say, I love you. I noticed Pastor Rex, when we got here yesterday, every, every, every time we'd end up something, he'd say, I love you, bud. That's a great phrase. Don't ever stop doing that, Rex. We, I know you say it to all these folks, but I feel it's, tr it's totally from the heart. But sometimes it's hard to say. My dad, I mentioned him a moment, moment ago, he, he never told me he loved me. I can't ever recall him saying. And several years ago, I decided I need to start telling my children and grandchildren I love you and so I began practicing it and I noticed even with a phone call for, to one of them yesterday it didn't end up in such a way that it was comfortable for him to say I love you I said I love you and he, he just kind of in other words he couldn't quite get it out but I knew he meant I love you too but you got to practice it you got to say I, and I mean sincerely saying I love you look at somebody by you and if you really do love them tell them that you do I love you. I love you. Hallelujah. Secondly, I'd listen more. If you're making notes, if I had it to do over, I'd listen more. Studies have proved most fathers find it hard to listen when we're busy with burdens of work and schedules and managing our household and doing things and we're so busy so busy watching UT. <laughs> Y'all don't do that. Watch the Spurs. Hello. I better move on. Or I'll lose this audience. But if I could do over, I would do it over. I'd find time to listen. Are you Are you hearing what I'm saying, Dad? Find time when my child's shares a hurt or a pain or a complaint when he's excited about something. I, I'm going to say this a better way than I did in first church. That's one thing you get to do-overs here. 
I was about ready to go to bed the other evening, and I have a grandson that lives way out in, in, in uh, Cisco, Texas. He, he's 20 years old, got of school, just looking for work and doing this and that, and he's a good boy. And he wanted to call to see if it was about time to start bailing hay. Yes, I still bail hay. I'm 78, but I ride the tractor. And I bought one that's air-conditioned, too. <laughs> he said, Papa, isn't it about hay, hay cutting time? I said, it's pretty close if it'll ever stop raining. And he said, he started in conversation. He didn't know I was getting ready to go to bed. I thought, boy, you call it a bad time. <laughs> I'm, I'm about in my bedtime, you know. But I had to check my spirit and check my conversation because that's my grandson, and he needs a, a grandpa that will take time to listen to him. And, and even though it may not be a big issue of mine, it was a big issue of his. I took 30 minutes. I sat there 30 minutes talking to him about things he wanted to talk about because he's my son. He's my grandson, and he needed that time. Amen. If I could do it over again, I'd listen more and try to understand what my child is saying because I believe when a father listens to what his child's saying, when he's small, that child will listen to that father when he's old. I wrote this down, this fine print, so I have to be careful. At four years' age, my daddy can do anything. At seven years, my daddy knows a lot, a whole lot. At eight years, my father doesn't not, doesn't, does not quite know everything. At 12 years old, oh, well, naturally, Dad doesn't know that about that either. At 14, you got a 14-year-old, listen to this one. Oh, Dad, he's hopeless. He's old-fashioned. At 21, oh, that man, he's out of date. At 25, he knows a little bit about it, but not much. At 30, I must find out what Dad's thinking about it. You see the turnaround? At 35, before we decide, we, we need to get Dad's idea about it first. At 50, what would Dad have thought about that? At 60, my dad knew literally everything. At 65, I wished I could talk it over with Dad again today. It's kind of a cycle of life, isn't it? Sometimes you're important, sometimes you're not quite so important. But I find myself involved in life today. With I inherited some of my dad's personal possessions, an old anvil and some old tools and things. And I find myself reminiscing going back to some of the days with Dad. In fact, even after I was grown, I said, my dad can fix just about anything. He worked on old clocks. He worked on antiques. He could do carpenter work. He could do mechanic work. Dad, uh, he was the most amazing man I ever knew in my life. That was my dad. It's estimated that an average child asks some 500,000 questions by the time they're 15. What a privilege for you as a parent to make an influence in their life because the rest of that study says at about age 16, they quit asking questions. You've got a time 
period there, Dad, that you can influence your children. My boys are all older. The oldest one will be 55 in August, the second one 53, the third one 51, and the fourth one 45. They're not kids. They're men. The questions still come, though. I can't tell you how often I get a call. Dad, just want to run something by you, see what you think. It's a, it's a great attribute that children can find in their parents if you'll take the time to do that. Thirdly, I'd look for more opportunities to give my children a feeling of belonging. A feeling of belonging. Don't ever tell a, person, a child, you, that's stupid. Don't ever say things like that. Be careful what your conversation is like. I will mention this, and I didn't mention it in first church. Being a pastor and having people in my home, especially traveling evangelists, preachers, and this is not a slam against those. But somebody said, what would you say was the most important thing you did in raising your children? My boys love preachers. They, they would, we had preachers come in our home, preachers' wives. They loved it. And my wife's a great cook, and of course, you know, we do a lot of fellowship and after church, church services, especially when we were in, uh, having evangelists come. But more than once, I would have to actually stop, and this is not trying to be critical of them, but it's, it's just the nature of who we are and how we work. Uh, evangelists would start sharing something with me that an experience he had, and I had about four sets of, t of ears from young kids and I would literally stop them for a minute I did it more than once and I'd say boys it's about bedtime y'all need to go to bed it's been a great night shake his shake the evangelist's hand and go go on to your bed why are you why are you because I would tell them afterward we don't talk about that in a negative way at our house let me tell you if you criticize the church you criticize the members of the church you criticize the pastor you are in Playing with dynamite with your children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You've got to be so careful about what you say. And that's an old preacher just making a few old man's advice. But I'm telling you, I, I, I wanted my children to love the ministry. I wanted them to, to, to emulate men that were, were setting examples for us. Two of the boys went by Lufkin, the old campground that we used to go for youth camps the other day. And one of them told me later, he said, Dad, I just had great feelings about it. I said, you know why? Because we had good times there. It was a good time for us to go. Amen. You're going to get through before I do, so i got to hurry. you got to make your child feel like they belong. One of, one of our sons on a Wednesday night, many years ago, when he was just about 15, 16 years old, after church, I said, anyone need prayer? Maybe prayer for your body or maybe a situation you're dealing with. That was a practice that we had in our church through those years. Just form a line down the center aisle here, and, and as soon as I dismiss, I'll come down, and I'll, I'll, I'll pray with you about your need. That's one thing I appreciate about Brother Johnson. He loves everybody here, and he has a special feeling Folks, I'm going to tell you, it's more than just an act that we put on. There is a sincere love there, and I thank you for that. That's why I'd go to your church.
Johnny was in that line, my son Johnny. I prayed for folks, and they were patiently waiting. When I got to him, without thinking about it, I said, Johnny, I've got several more people to pray for. Why don't you slip on out and go on home, get ready for bed, and when I get home, we'll pray about your need. That, you know, it took me a few seconds to say. He quietly turned and respectfully left. I completed my prayer time with those folks, turned the lights out of the church, went home. All the lights were out in our house. I walked in the house, and the boys' rooms were upstairs. When I passed that stairwell, it hit me. Hey, you got to pray for Johnny. I looked up there, and it was all quiet. I made my way up the stairs, got to his bed. You ever tried to wake up a 15-year-old? Hey, Johnny, I know you was in that line, and I told you I'd pray for you when we got home. Oh, it's okay, Dad. Okay, I'm ready to go to sleep. I pressed him the second time. I said, I need, I need to pray for you. I need, I need to know what the need, you know, what, what do you want me to pray with you about? Hey, when a 15-year-old comes to your dad and asks you to pray with him, please don't do what I did. That was a gigantic mistake. I have to tell you, I went in and had a prayer meeting in my living room of my home that night. And I made a commitment to God. I said, I will never do that again. I respect all the members of the body of Christ. But my, my allegiance is first to God, second to that beautiful wife of mine, third to my children, fourth to my ministry, and fifth to the church. The way it is. Got to be that way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I can't do you all any good if I hadn't taken care of things at home. The Bible even says something about that. How can a man lead the family of God when he can't even take care of his own household? That's scripture. Amen. Let them hear you pray. Celebrate birthdays, graduation. I mean, we have big times, I'm telling you. And when I was a kid, we even had big time. Fourth, I'd express words of appreciation and praise more. Hey, boy, that was a good job, son. I'd tell them when they mow the lawn if it was a good job. Boy, that looks good. Don't go in there criticizing, well, you forgot that we'd eat this and didn't edge that over there. And, that, and they'll say, I ain't uh, <laughs> You cut your own grass. It's nice to be praised. As a pastor, folks, dedicate your time and, and commit time to the work of God. Are you all through? You all are awful quiet. Either I'm, either I'm plowing deep or I'm, it's time for me to quit. I'm simply saying, treat your children like you treat other human beings. Though they have feelings too. Another statement was made. I, I'll, make, I'll tell you what one of them said to my wife one day. Because I, I believe in work. W-O-R-K, that's my name. And if you don't believe me, ask one of them. But one of them asked his mom one time. said, Mom, does Dad know how to do anything but work? I said, I said he asked that question to you? And she said, yeah. I went and changed, made some changes. I wanted him to have some good time. So now if you see me. If you see me on Facebook, every now and then somebody puts me on Facebook. 
Somebody said, boy, that's an awesome picture. And it was me and Danny and Johnny and Phil and James all at old Meekum's auction up in Dallas, the car auction. If you don't know what that is, you don't want to get hooked, guys. Just find something else. <laughs> Enjoying life with my boys. Still do today. We plan it. It's, it's all an important time. My goodness. I appreciate them more. Fifth, I would spend more time together. I just talked about that. Amen. A group of boys in 7th, 8th grade in the school kept accurate records of how much time their fathers actually spent with them over a two-week period. Most only saw their dad at the dinner table. Several didn't even see their dad for days at a time. The actual time, average time, for a father and son on to be alone and one, you know, just one-on-one was seven and a half minutes a week. How can you influence your children when they don't see you but seven and a half? Finally, if I could go back over, I'd laugh more. That's right. I'd laugh more. I told you I've been way too serious all my life. I got to tell this, and I'll, I'll, it's a story that I'll never forget. My boys all were involved in FFA. When we moved to Spring, it was a rural area. It was country. And we had some acreage, and they wanted to get involved in the FFA program. That's raising steer, in case you don't know what FFA is. Raising steer calves or whatever they raise. My boys all raise steer. And they have to take that calf as a little calf. They buy it, and they learn to nurture it and to feed it and to groom it and to train it. And they train them how to stand. They have actually have a, 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 a little stick that they use to set a calf up. And they wash them. They wash them down. With, it's, it's amazing. They treat them like a doll. But it, it teaches that child a whole lot of principle. Danny and Johnny both had calves, the first two boys. They all four had them eventually, but they had theirs at the same time. And I'll never forget uh, let me go get my little old eight millimeter video. You know that was before video, eight millimeter movie camera. And I got it. Now I'm out here, you know, taking pictures of the boys washing. And I told him one of the things you got to do that calf's got to be broken. It's got, he, you got to you got to teach it to lead and command it with that rope that you got around the harness around their neck. They wash, both wash their calves up, clean them up, groom them, blow dry. I mean, they, they, they fixed them up. Johnny was going to take his for a walk, and he started walking off with it. And you hold it close by the bridle, you know. And so he's walking along, and suddenly that calf starts getting faster and faster and faster. Hold on, Johnny! Don't let him loose. Jerk on that rope. He's jerking, and that calf's still going, and he's getting faster. And I'm filming it all the time. He finally got where the strides were at least 10 foot apart. I mean, that thing was going and pulling him with it. Hold on, Johnny. <laughs> Down he went, folks. It was out in the pasture, but it was still pretty rough. He's holding on, and that calf is dragging him. Honestly, he drug him at least 100 foot. I finally said, let him go. <laughs> that wasn't real funny that day. But at least, at least a hundred times or more, maybe a thousand, we've looked at that 
video. I put it on, finally put it on eight, eight track. <laughs> I need somebody, if y'all know how to do that. To, I could sell this to Pete, what's it? Yeah, I could sell it to them and we could probably pay this church off, maybe. <laughs> And what was so funny to watch all that, and you've seen it over and over, but we laugh every time. We, and in case somebody wasn't laughing, I just flipped it backwards. And they, here they come back. <laughs> laugh with your children. The little ones grow up. They're not little anymore. They don't tug at your purse strings anymore. They tug at your heart. Laugh with your children. Thank God he saved us. I thank God for a godly mother. I've got to mention her on Father's Day because it wouldn't be the heritage that we have as a family, and that's where Patty and Rex come into our family. They, Y'all know we have over 100, and Randy's my nephew, my sister's son, we have over 100 members of our family. And when we get together as a family, and we've done some reunions, they're my witness. Well over 100 people all living for God, loving God. Because one little lady, Viola Green, said, My house is going to live for God. Amen. Amen. If I could do it over again. I got one more thing to read and then I'm through. This was written by a young man to his father. Dear Dad, from your firstborn son, Happy Father's Day. I only wish I could say it in person. I would like to tell you how important you are to me. If I've accomplished anything and anything, I attribute it to the faithful and consistent leadership and fathering you've always given so willingly the passion and wish unselfishness for which you live life has proven to me to be a way I should go also I'm anchored by the hold of the impeccable character and integrity that you represent this alone provides a sense of security and validity for me that encouraged me to strive diligently for the same you taught me to stand up and be a man to make decisions, to deal with the consequences, and to use my best judgment based on the principles which I was founded. For that, I'm grateful. I realize more and more the grave responsibility you have of fathering, and I can truly say that you not only fathered a child, but you loved, cared for, and earnestly worked to father an adult. I'm attempting to fulfill that role. My desire is never to let you down, although I'm sure it's happened. Please know, I know you'll never stop loving me or believing in me. I have the deepest love and respect for you, first in your personal life, because I know that what I see is what I get. What you say is who you are and how you really live. You are transparent, honest, and real. Second, thanks for loving my mother and for always caring for her. Throughout the years, there was never a doubt about the strength of your relationship and devotion to her. Again, this has proved a source of strength in my own marriage. 
Third, thanks for being a faithful spiritual leader. I know without a doubt that your desire was and is to lead your family to God. I am what I am, where I am because of your influence. Teaching, preaching, and prayers. I'm sorry, I'm just emotional reading. Every time I read this, you have done well. I'm challenged to walk and to live as you have, to be the kind of father you are, to love my wife as you love my mother, and to be the Christian you example. One of my desires is for my sons to know you better, to see things in you that I know and see. I lost my granddad when I was barely, that I so dearly loved and enjoyed being with him when I was my son's age. It makes me realize how precious our time is together. Dad, thanks for being my dad, for being a friend, for just being there. Words cannot express my feelings, but just know this. When I say I love you, that's saying I'm thankful for you, I'm proud of you, and always wish the best and for the greatest for you. May your life be long, healthy, and prosperous. Have a blessed Father's Day, and know that you are remembered in my heart today and always. And I'll let you figure out who you think that is, but I appreciate it. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.